0: This is Saturday, December 26, 2020. It's Boxing Day. Uh, I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It, I hope you're having a safe holiday. And in Ontario, where I'm living right now, we're on what's called lockdown, which means we're not supposed to leave the house unless it's for food or emergencies. Not supposed to interact with other people other than those living under the same roof, which most people, I think, are ignoring. So we're going to have another... Couple of tough months before we get through this with vaccines, but here we are talking about bees, and thankfully, the honeybees are a great uh, mental break from all of this. I'll tell you about a couple things we're working on, and today's topic really is hive temperature. Uh, today, as I look out my window here at the bee farm, we've got probably I don't know, back in the day, we'd say six or seven inches of snow with some blowing. This morning, the sensors told me outside it was minus eight before the wind chill. Um, and so it's probably minus, uh, wind's blowing pretty good, so it's probably minus 12, minus 14 wind chill. We have a total of 10 sensors, I believe I counted up, inside the hives, and we have um, four that can deliver data to us remotely. The other six I need to stand beside the hive and use the My Broodminder app, which some of you may have been using or are using. Um, and really, there's been some f- fascinating, fascinating outcomes. And, and just to give you a quick summary, so you know that during, in the winter when the temperature drops, the bees, the winter bees, form a cluster around the queen, and internally they keep the temperature warm enough so that the queen doesn't you know, experience any, any damage. She's not laying eggs right now, so obviously there's, there's no need to keep it at the 90-some degree Fahrenheit, but the research shows they still do that well up close to that. And the external bees shiver, basically, to release heat, and their only goal is to keep the core temperature uh, at a great uh, place for the queen. And they move in and out of, of the, from the outside of the cluster to the inside to get warm. And they go back outside the bees and they do their job that way. And when it does get a little bit of warm, warmth going on, they'll move the cluster to more honey. They'll heat up the honey and they'll have food stores to take them through the winter. Now the sensors that we're using, and I I think I've talked about this before, but I'll do a quick review. We use uh, the Broodminder sensors, and we have the sensors that we've uh, sort of adapted from Home Accept. Uh, The Home Accept sensors are doing incredibly well, and, and we put them right at the top of the box, the top box in a hive. Uh, on the screen, because every one of our hives, except a few for research purposes, have the moisture blanket, which has a screen. Just think of your screen on a window on the bottom. And on top of that, we have uh, pine, uh, uh, pine shavings. But right on the screen, and it's totally open to the hive temperature and humidity coming up, is where the sensors are from home, except the broodminder sensors are as recommended, and they're actually slid beneath that. So they're just beneath the moisture blankets on the top box of the hive. And what we're doing is we're monitoring temperature and humidity. One of our uh, brood miners only does temperature, but the remainder all do temperature and humidity. The, what I find fascinating, for example, this morning, the temperature outside was minus eight. The hive temperature on the three from Home except varied incredibly. So the the hive with the three boxes, so we have a, a deep main box with two mediums on top. It's one of the few threes that we took into the winter. The top box had about a two degree number. The uh, two other hives are are um, one hive or two mediums. And there's another hive to the right. And there, these are the three hives fairly close together. This is one of the tests we did on Does it matter if their hives are just singly spread throughout the property or can you put them together to simulate sort of what a traditional apiary would look like? So they're fairly close. So the micro temperature, it's quite similar because it's in the same sort of area protected from the north wind, protected somewhat from the west, and a bit from the east. We could get some east winds that would be sort of difficult, but there's some cedars uh, protecting the north. Uh, There's uh, some pine a white pine and a fence on the one side, a complete privacy fence that protects them on the, on the other side. So they're fairly well protected. Uh, so we have two degrees. The other one was four degrees with the two mediums. And then on the other side, we have a hive right in that sand, there's three of them together. It has a deep and a medium. That temperature was nine degrees. So it was minus eight outside. And that's a difference of 17 degrees Celsius. Now, I have no idea what that hive is doing. And the sensors working fine. The humidity's spot on. The temperature goes up, up and down based on what's happening. So this is a this is a this is an accurate uh, a temperature reading. Now I, I I'm obviously we're not going to open the hive because of the temperature, but it seems to be that the cluster that's formed in that hive is so strong so large perhaps, that it's putting off extra heat. And, and the analogy kind of like is if you had your stove on and you you put your hand above a um, well above a element and as you get a bit closer it gets warm and warm and of course you wouldn't touch it, but the high heat is right on that element. And so the heat that's radiated off, or if it's your fireplace right now, if you have a wood, wood fire going because it's winter here in, in Canada you know, as you get closer to that fireplace or that, that wood stove, you feel the warmth. And as you move away, there's less of it. That's what's happening with that cluster. It's kind of like a little ball of energy of bees. Now, in this one hive, there's so much, there's so many perhaps, or the cluster may be so large, that it's um, it's putting off that much heat. Now, there's there no difference in the insulation. The, the hive is the same. It has a, um, you know, a, a moisture blanket, and, and that would be it. So... It's quite a interesting view of what's happening. Now it could be that this is a, as I said, especially strong, especially good genetics, um, and we're going to continue to follow these hives, all of them, of course, and and you know look at the data in the spring and say, okay, based on what we saw all winter, um, what is the strength of these hives? Now a couple other cool things have been happening. We, I, I did go ahead and looked at and i have talked about this in the past but we're, we're moving forward with developing files on each hive so that we have a great history and we're using a scanning software so each hive will have its own symbol and when you scan it it will open up a file with all the information for that hive and this is something we want to take with that hive wherever it may go whether it stays on the property or eventually ends somewhere else and I think, you know, keeping good notes, trying to keep the information clear, you know, when were they split, when were they treated with formic acid, uh, and of course all of the data, if we're fortunate enough to have an internal monitor, we're able to put the files of all the data into that same folder so that when the hive uh, is opened up for information, a person can look at all that and we'll be able to, to analyze it. The, the final question has to do with snow. Now we have quite a bit of snow here today, and and when you look at the thermal imaging i did some thermal imaging uh, of some of the hives if you go to instagram you can see some of them at wildflowerbeefarm.com. the the imaging tells us that the hive particularly the log hive seems to be quite well insulated the the it's difficult for the thermal camera to pick up much outside of the entry the entry hole to the to the log that they probably have propolized the entire inside of that log and and made it all cozy and snug so it's, it's quite fascinating to see that in comparison to Langshoff hive or even the, um, the top bar hives that we have. So the, the temperatures in and out is interesting. The humidities have settled in all the hives. The tem- temperatures, the ones we're monitoring in that 60 to 70% range, which we apparently uh, is consistent with what other beekeepers are finding. So we're gonna to continue to monitor, continue to do thermal imaging. We have a number of videos at wildflowerbeefarm.com that'll be appearing that we've created from our summer work. Some really fascinating looks at uh, at what the bees are doing and, and how they learn. Uh, you know, the, the idea of bees with brains was such an incredible, you know, changing thought that you don't hear about too much when it comes to bee behavior or what we're seeing. And maybe we could close on that because I just can't get it out of my mind that we, we forever have talked about bees being very instinctual and, you know, genetically programmed to do certain things. And if we accept the fact, as, as this can be found in the article I posted at the, uh, you know, the um, group share section of wildflowerbeefarm.com, where the neurologist discusses the impact of having the bees having a brain the size of a sesame seed with a million neurons, in how the bees are able to learn, and pretty much according to this uh, the psychiatrist neurologist, the bees have a very incredible ability for neuroplasticity, or changing and altering their their brain from what they learn in their experience. And, and this person believes this, the scientist believes that a great deal of what we see with bees is, in fact, learned behavior, not genetics. And if you if you take that the next step further, it it really does talk about the really important impact of habitat, because you can teach bees, bees will learn themselves and teach each other very much about their habitat where they happen to be living, which may explain a lot of what we're seeing in, in the demise of our bee populations. That they're, they're attempting to engage in behaviors to survive whatever it is they're experiencing that may actually facilitate um, other illnesses. So we're going to keep track of this, and really when we see bee behavior at the entrance, to look at this in a different way. You know, what are bees actually learning from this experience, and adding that to the equation that we've never had before. So I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Remember, go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. Support us in our work. We look forward to having you as a member where we'll continue to share our video stories every week. Usually I post them on Sunday, sometimes Saturday. They're supposed to be posted on Monday, but I get pretty excited about some most of them. Also follow us on Instagram. You have an amazing week. Stay safe. Talk soon.